It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants Mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the New York Lottery. John Schmelk and Jeff Fiegels with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. As a reminder, we only have one call line, so if it is busy, please just give us a call until you get through. We'll get to you as soon as you can. And, of course, Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the Giants Podcast Network at Giants.com slash podcast on your Giants mobile app, and at all your favorite podcast platforms. Jeff Fiegels, how are you, sir? How did you enjoy Wild Card Weekend? I think I enjoyed the Nickelodeon broadcast more than some of the games. You know, I thought about putting it on, <laughs> and I didn't. So so give me the Jeff oh. Fiegels report well. as to what the— The only thing I saw online was the <laughs> virtual slime cannons when teams scored a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, you get, you get, yeah, you get slimed. Um, just funny because the, the broadcast, you know, there was people there that didn't know a whole lot about football. Uh, one of the one of the commentators were getting so excited for the Pro Bowl. There will be no Pro Bowl this year. So, um, but it was funny. I mean, listen, it, it's a good way if you're a kid to watch a football game. You would be more attracted to it. It'll make a little bit more sense to you. But um, so, so just, did they have NFL people call? Like, who called the game? Who there was on a, the broadcast? Okay, so I I didn't go into it you know, into it. Like, like I flipped it on because my kids were like, dad, turn this thing on. Did you see what they're doing? I'm like, for what Nickelodeon? I'm like, what? So I turned it on real quick and I ended up did just, somebody had just scored. So they did the slime cast yeah. where all the slime stuff was going in the end zone and slime all around. And then um, there was one part where the broadcast CBS said, Oh, we like to, you know, I miss Tony. He's not here, but we have our Nickelodeon guys below us and they pan down there. But I went to listening to it. I don't know who it was, but it was a, it was a professional uh, analyst or color guy or, you know, doing play by play. But there was also one other person in the booth. It was a woman who I didn't think knew much about football, but um, it was, it was comical. It was funny. You know, a lot of graphic stuff and just putting a Nickelodeon uh, touch on football, which was kind of funny. All right. Sounds like fun. Yeah. For and you, I can't believe you didn't see it, you know, with, with your daughter. I, I Even at three, Jeff, if you think she has the attention span to sit down and watch any broadcast of a football game at the age of three. But that you would are, been a perfect opportunity to say, here, you well, are sadly on, mistaken, me. my Just friend. Come on, you know, maybe next year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, trust me, I tried, but the, the there was just. But she to answer your question, I'm doing good. Good weekend. Um, I didn't think the football was all that great this weekend. Um, I thought it was a little bit boring. I think one, you know, the I, there was two games I really wanted to watch. One on Saturday, one on Sunday. One was the Buffalo game, and the other one was the uh, Ravens game. Those are the two I wanted to see. Uh, the other ones I didn't really care about. Um, the Steeler game last night, I turned it on a little bit late. It was fourteen nothing when I turned it on. I said, "What is going on here?" Um, but just not all impressed with uh, the wa- super wild card weekend. But, you know, John, get a, four more teams in the playoffs, you know, more money for the league, more money for the players. It, it worked. And I, I'm I, more excited about what's coming up this weekend. I agree. Next weekend's always the best playoff yeah. weekend of football. You get the most competitive games. But, look, having six games in two days is not a bad thing either. And you got the national championship tonight for football, for you college. Do. So, you know, you got a nice three days there. Absolutely true. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery, introducing Money Dots, a new game from the New York Lottery, where you play for your chance to win money. All right, Jeff, let's talk a little bit about here. Um, and it's on the dot, by the way. Please play responsibly. So um, this is where I want to go here, Jeff. You know, now we've kind of in season review form still. Mm-hmm. As we move along here, we're not quite into senior bowl and draft stuff, so we are going to start with some of that as we move ahead here. So let's, for now, take a look at the Giants' offense today. I dug a little bit deep here at, mm-hmm. at some of the stats over the course of the year. And look, we and I don't want to make this just a, a numbers-heavy, numbers-centric show because the fans know a lot of these already because we've talked about them a lot. And frankly, they're not good, and, and we know they're not good. The Giants, 31st in yards per game, 31st in points per game. In terms of passing, 29th in passing yards per game, passing yards per play. Their rush game was a little bit better. They were ranked 19th in rush yards per game, 13th in in rush yards per play. So overall, the offense, not as productive as you want it to be, obviously. But, Jeff, I want to focus on a couple specific stats that I think had a lot to do with the reasons as to why 
this offense wasn't mm-hmm. as effective as you needed it to be. And I'm going to start in an area where I know there's a lot of optimism for fans, though I don't think we saw the production in that area this year where you needed it to be for this offense to be successful, and that's the offensive line, and specifically the pass protection. You know, mm-hmm. if you take a look at the Giants and where they finished this year, they allowed 50 sacks, only three teams allowed more, and they and allowed— those? Do we know? I can check that okay. for you. I don't have that's it That's okay. Offhand. I just didn't know if you had those, you know, the other two, who they were. Uh, but. I can I can get that for you, and, and that's going to be a, a later part of the conversation here. Yep. And then the other part of that, all right, you say sacks are fluky. You know, it's a stat that varies a lot. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, they also allowed a 40.5% pressure rate. And what that means, folks, is that on 40.5% of the Giants' pass plays, they allowed pressure on Daniel Jones. That can come in the form of a sack, a quarterback hit, or quarterback hurry. That's via pro football focus. Only one team had a higher pressure rate than the New York football Giants. So those two numbers, Jeff, to me, is really the center of why this season never got going offensively. If you can't trust your line to protect your quarterback, this thing's not going to go well. Yeah, because you know that Daniel Jones was uh, pressured all season. Even last year was, you know, teams go after him. Now, why? Well, the answer is right there in front of you. Uh, Teams believe that not only can they get to the quarterback sometimes with just four, um, but their offensive line was a problem area that they attacked on a game-in and game-out basis. And so when you don't have an offensive line to protect the quarterback and consistently are getting pressured because of it, then that's why these numbers are where they are now. And by the way, if the Giants decide to pass on first or second down and most likely putting in you putting you in those third down situations where you have to pass, you know, if you don't get a if you get a sack or a pressure or things like that, teams are gonna pressure you consistently. And the Giants, um, you know, they they knew they just kinda teams knew what you were gonna do in certain situations. And running the football always could help that. But John, to your point, teams know that they could get they could rattle around uh Daniel Jones, get him to turn the football over, and the Achilles heel is that offensive line and pass protection. They they did better in run protection, uh, run run blocking, but I'm sure the number is better in run than it is pass. And by the way, they were ranked 29th, but they were tied with three teams ranked at 29th with uh, two of the, the two other teams. I'm sorry, Washington and Houston. Jeff, they both allowed 50 as well, which means. Only one team allowed more sacks than the Giants, and that was the Philadelphia Eagles. So th- yeah. this gets to the to, to the other point here. If you look at the teams, and I'll give you the pressure rates as well for this number, but if you look at the teams that allowed the most sacks in the league, Philly, 65. Washington, 60. 50, I'm sorry. Giants, 50. Houston, 50. Seattle, 48. They're the outlier there, but they have Russell Wilson. Bengals, 48. Jaguars, 44. Cowboys, 44. Jets, 43. Lions, 42. Falcons, 41. Niners, 39. Vikings, 39. Patriots, 37. Uh, How many playoff teams have I named there, Jeff? (laughs) And that's to about 14 teams, and I've named two playoff teams. I named Washington, who only made the playoffs because they were in the NFC East. Because they had to. And the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. No other team in the bottom three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen teams in the league in sacks allowed. Two of them made the playoffs. Now I'll give you pressure rate very quickly, and I think we'll find that the numbers are very similar. So if you look at pre- this is pressure rate allowed by offenses, okay, um, over the course of this year, and I think I have it over here. I'm working on two different computers here, Jeff. So if you take a look at the pressure rates for teams offensively, okay. The only team that allowed a higher pressure rate than the New York Giants, the New York Jets, 46%. (laughs) Then I'm going to go down the road here. Here we go. Stop me when you hear a playoff team mentioned. Okay. Eagles, Chargers, Vikings, Seahawks. That's the same exception that we had to the last one, right? Houston, Denver, Baltimore. Ah, But again, why is their pressure rate high? Because Lamar Jackson runs around and holds the ball, right? Makes sense. Atlanta, Jacksonville. San Francisco, Buffalo. What does Buffalo have? A quarterback that runs around and tries to make plays, right? Las Vegas, Cincinnati, Tennessee. Same deal. 
You get a bunch of teams there in the bottom 13. You got three playoff teams I mentioned. So if you can't protect your quarterback, and we're looking at sacks and pressure right there, it's going to be extremely difficult to win football games in the National Football League. And by the way, Jeff, it's not like the Giants were behind big in a ton of these games. Mm -hmm. They were in a few late. But early on, even though they were losing, it was only a 1-2 score game in the fourth quarter of these games. So it's not like they were put in these terrible must-pass situations all the time. So I don't think this is a deal where, where, where this stat is really that affected by game flow necessarily. So this is the number that, to me, that has to get better. And it starts here. There are other things we'll get into and talk about. But I think everything we're going to talk about gets impacted by these numbers. The pressure rate, the sack rate, the total number of sacks, they're right near the bottom of the league. Until that gets better, we're not going to see this offense get out of that bottom 25% of the league in any of these significant statistical categories. Yeah, because, you know, you can't, your quarterback, you ask your quarterback to, to perform at a high level, and whatever those numbers, completion percentage, you know, interceptions, you know, statistics like that, if you ask your quarterback to, you know, provide you with a high percentage of good statistics when you don't have an offensive line to protect you, then you're not going to get those. And so you have to basically go back and start to change your thinking of how you're going to throw the football um, quick, you know, quick hitters and, and not be able to take advantage of any of the long balls because you can't get protection. Now, I would imagine that, and I know this is a lot of work and, you know, for somebody that wants to do it, go ahead. But, you know, you look at the Giants in particular who we're talking about and divide it up into quarters of the season. I would be curious to see where the third and the fourth quarters come in and the first and second quarters come in as far as those those sacks and pressure rates. I can um, actually check that for you very quickly here, Jack. Hopefully, Hopefully you do see somewhat of a trend where it's gotten better at times. You know, I would say that probably I'm going to guess the third quarter was third the end of the third to the start of the fourth quarters of the season where the, where the Giants ran into that losing streak again, that uh, that was a bad area. All right, so here's what I'm going to do. The Giants, what, they, they, they cracked their losing streak at what, week six well, against were... Washington, right? And I would, so why don't we start there? Let's say we, let's see, we'll start there. If we take out, Jeff, the first five weeks of the year where the Giants started 0-5 and they really struggled, right? If mm -hmm. you look at their pressure percentage after five weeks – the Giants were 26 out of 32 teams okay. at 37% pressure rate. Now, if you want to go a little bit deeper into the season, let's go through... That's the first five, you said? That, yeah, that's taking out the first five games of the year. All right? Now, let's say we do the same thing and we take out... By week was what? Week 10 or 11 this year, Jeff, for the Giants? I don't know. I, it, was, it was late, so all right, one so, of the last ones, right? All right, so if you just take out – I went from week 10 onwards here, okay. and I took a look at that. If you go from week 10 onwards, onwards the Giants were 22nd in pressure rate. Okay? It's going down now. So let's go even further here. Let's look at just the final quarter of the season. Yeah. The final four games, if you want to look at it that way, okay? If you look at the final four games of the year, the Giants were ranked – in terms of pressure percentage allowed, stand by. Uh, come on, computer. There we go. 27. So at the end of the year, you didn't necessarily get that bump that you mm -hmm. wanted to look at. So you did see some improvement over the course of the year, but it's still not where you want it to be. But if we want to try to ask the question why, I think that when the running game was going, you know, those five or six games in a row where the Giants were rushing over 100 yards a game, the rushing attack was working, um, play action was working, teams were not pinning their ears back because they had to respect the run. I think that's where all of a sudden you saw that that goes from 27th to 22, I think it was you said. Yeah. Um, and so you do get an improvement. The running game goes away. Guess what happens? Now, all of a sudden, you're on your third downs and even your second and longs. You now are forcing to pass. Teams are going to come after you again. So, really, the common denominator, in my opinion, is the run game. That has to do a lot with the pressure. And, you know, and also uh, the ability to pressure Daniel Jones into turning the football over. Now, he did a better job at times during the season. And I think that that's uh, when guys lay off, when they sh when Daniel Jones can show the rest of the league that pressure isn't going to bother him. I mean, you look at Justin uh, Herbert 
and guys like you know the rookie you know other guys that he's like one of the best passers under pressure so some guys can can manage that but Daniel Jones not he's not very good at it right now now Jeff I looked at it during there from week six to 13 six when the Giants went five and two okay okay that was okay. that seven game stretch that they went five and two the Giants ranked 21st in pressure rate down okay. to 35 percent which is basically like a five percent drop if you just look at their four game winning streak from weeks nine to thirteen, if that's a better guide, they're all they're all the way down to twelfth in the league, twenty nine percent pressure rate. So those things sync up pretty well. Sure. Where when they're winning games, the pressure rate goes down. When they're losing rates, the pressure when they're losing games, the pressure rate goes up. Now, this is the interesting thing that I looked at. And for the folks that don't know, I looked up something that's called DVOA. It's basically an advanced metric that puts your opponent situation schedule and all that stuff, you know, into consideration when they determine how well you did this year based on everything that was going against you. And they had the Giants ranked as the 24th best offense in the league. And I figured, wait a second, hmm, with all these other ranks between like 29th and 32nd, why would they be 24th? And then I started looking specifically at the strength of schedule here. And I kind of started here and then I advanced past this, Jeff, Mm. according to to Football Outsiders, who tracks that DVOA stat, the Giants had the toughest schedule for any offense in the National Football League this year. For any offense. For any offense. Mm-hmm. they Against those defenses, yeah. They faced the toughest defensive schedule. And this goes specifically to this first point we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at, and I, I track this for every single team. I can send you the spreadsheet. This is what I was doing this morning. If you take a look at the opponents and where they were ranked in terms of number of sacks, this year, over the course of the season, I'll give you pressure rate too. The Giants face, Jeff, listen to this, the top team in sacks, the second best team in sacks, the third best team in sacks twice, that was the Eagles. They also faced the fourth best team in sacks. They also faced the fifth best team in sacks. They also faced the sixth best team in sacks twice. That's Washington. <laughs> I'm not even joking. A half, you're almost at a half the season where you're in the top you know, three or four rush defenses. They faced the seventh best team in sacks. So, literally, the top seven teams, Jeff, in the league in the total sacks this year, the Giants played all seven. And two of those teams, they played twice. Twice, yeah. So, do the math there. And the other teams, by the way, just to give you an idea, the Bears were 17th, Dallas was 19th, the Browns were 15th, the Ravens were 14th, uh, the Seahawks were 13th. So the only team that they played that was in the bottom third of the league were the Bengals at 31. The Niners at 21 were still in that second third, just barely. All right, that's sacks. All right, you say sacks are fluky, fine. All right, let's look at pressure rate. Guess what? The Giants played (laughs) the top team in pressure rate. They played the third best team in pressure rate. They played the fourth best team in pressure rate twice. They played the sixth-best team in pressure rate. They played the seventh-best team in pressure rate. They played the ninth-best team in pressure rate twice. Then they also played the 12th-best, the 13th-best, the 16th-best. If you look at the overall average rank, Jeff, in mm-hmm. terms of sacks per, sacks per attempt and sacks per game, 10th. That was the average rank of teams that they played this year. Keep in mind, you play 14 teams. So, literally, the best it could be is like 7th. All right? Because you play 13 teams during the year. So in terms of pressure rate, it also came out to around between 10th and 12th, depending on how you want to average it out. So in terms of opponents this year, the Giants played, in my opinion, and you could probably compare it to the other NFC East teams, and it would be similar because they have similar schedules, obviously. Right. And no surprise that those three teams finished in the bottom of the league in pressure rate and sacks. The Giants played maybe the the, the toughest schedule, period, this year in terms of opponent pass rush, which I found interesting. And the other thing that's interesting, on a good note, okay, then the only thing I can say good about any of that is that when you have Lemieux, okay, Thomas, and you have Pert, okay, guys that are and, – and, and let's throw Nick Gates in there at, at a center position that he's never played before. All of those guys are able to gain experience from playing against those types of teams. So, you know, you can talk a little bit about that. Um, probably one of the reasons why those numbers are so bad um, is because they are, you know, a young group. Um, and, you know, so that's – I'm trying to 
the glass is a little half full for well, me yeah, in that sense. Yeah, I would look at it this way. Maybe the overall numbers aren't necessarily as bad as they look based on the schedule the team had to play, is my point. Yeah, but I, you know, we, we kind of knew going into the season when we first started to break down the schedule how difficult this first five games was going to be, um, especially starting off with Pittsburgh and the type of you know sacks monsters those guys are. I mean, Pittsburgh leads the league in sacks almost every single year. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, I guess to me, you got to look at the experience these guys got and how are you going to fix this? Well, another year and some continuity will help. Um, you know, I think the big thing is that the Giants have to self-scout and go back. And this is what the coaches will do in the offseason. You know this, John. They, they then go back and break down film on every single one of these and, and give reports to the head coach. Because they got to understand where they're going as far as free agency in the draft. You don't want to keep these guys or what's going to happen. But, you know, that's, that's, those are some, you know, it's interesting because sometimes a lot of people don't like statistics and metrics and all that kind of stuff. But it does tell a little bit of, in today's world, it does tell you a little bit of a tape, a tale of the tape. And you can kind of, you know, gather your own information, if you will, and just come up with your own opinion on why it didn't work. And in my opinion, the good thing about it is that these guys got a lot of experience from it. They got their butts kicked a lot. But, I mean, you know, I think that Andrew Thomas was a guy that, you know, you you want to put a pin on him. He got much better as the season went along, and that's a positive. Yeah, and I and I guess I'll, I want to get to the calls, Jeff, but I yeah, think sure. I at least want to finish the offensive line part of this conversation okay, sure. first. And, I, and I'll ask it to you first because you just brought it up, and then I'll give you my opinion. Yep. Of the guys – and the individuals we're talking about in the group right now that are on the roster going into next year. Okay. You can maybe put them in order if you want, however you want to do it. What's your level of confidence in each one of these guys that they're a long-term starter moving forward? Well, I Who think, do you feel best about? Well, I feel best about the left tackle um, being the, the long-term guy. Um, I also think that your – Okay, I'll give you I'll tell you what, I'll give you I'll give you him an order. I'll give him an order. I think long term, I think number one would be the left tackle. Okay, Andrew Thomas. I think that um long term for the for the Giants, I think that Nick Gates will be a long term I think he's just gonna get better. I agree with both of those. That that would be my first two on my list too. Okay. The third one um is a difficult one for me, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this because I feel like there's more potential. That you know, he got a little playing time this year, not a lot, but I think that potential is there for long term, and that would be Matt Perk. Ooh, interesting. Okay, I like that. I like that. Now Lemieux has to show me something. Um, he yeah, was very inconsistent this year, and, I agree. and and deservingly so. I mean, he was a fifth round draft pick, a guy that was you know he he won the starting job, played eleven games, and um, that's a guy that I think is is a little bit more of a long. It's going to be take a little bit longer. Um, Zeitler, I don't know what's going to, he's, he's consistent. He's a, he's a veteran, a guy that's going to be in there. Um, so there's your star. There's your five guys. Now Fleming, I don't know where, where he's going to be next year or what have you, but I don't see him as a long term because I think I see him getting replaced. Um, and then the backups, I can barely name the backups to be honest with you. So, all right. So Jeff, I'm going to put it this way. The only two guys, I'll be honest with you. And maybe I'm selling them short here a little bit that I have a high level of confidence in based on what I've already seen that they are going to be quality NFL starters for a long time. And I'm going to take Zeitler out of it because he's yeah, because he's a I veteran and, and, and we know what he is. We know he's a quality NFL starter, mm -hmm. right? The only guys that showed me enough this year to feel really good about them moving forward, and I'll just use the, the phrase really good, are Thomas and Gates. Mm -hmm. I still need to see more from the other guys, and that includes Parrott, Lemieux, and Will Hernandez, to be quite honest with you. I think we need to see more from those three guys before we can anoint them. Okay, we know these guys are long-term starters. I think you hope that they are. You think they can develop into that, but I don't think we know that yet. I feel pretty darn good about Thomas and Gates, though. How good are those guys going to be? It's a different question. But will I think they're going to be, you know, le mm -hmm. legit NFL starters? For me, the answer is yes. Both of them played every game. Right. I mean, so, uh, yeah. Right. I think Nick Gates, I yep, know that they Thomas, both did. Yep. So yeah, I agree with you there. Here, here's the other, I guess the other point to this. And I, I don't know where, what's the situation is with Googe and, and with the, uh, the um, yeah, good point too. Wilkinson, mm -hmm. the back, you know, the assistant special or offensive line coach. So I don't know where that's going. If there's going to be a new, new offensive line coach or Googe is going to be the guy. I don't know that. So, 
that to me is a very important characteristic to what you and I just talked about because I feel like that needs to have some consistency to it to have a long-term effect on those guys that we just talked about. And so my, my next one, and I'll end it with this real quickly because I know we got to get to the callers. To me, it's the development of, those, of, the, of your depth that I want to see in that offensive line this year. I, I know who the starters are going to be next year there. I think Will Hernandez is a guy that's going to have to prove himself. Um, I think the time is running out on him. Um, and well, so he's only got one year left on his rookie contract, right? So right. yeah, yeah. It, so it I I feel like that's kind of one of those things. Show me, you know, what you're probably not going to renew his. Well, he's a second rounder, so this is it. This is it. I, yep. There is so, no yeah. Just in the fans, though, there is no fifth year option for second round picks. Only first round picks. So I think those, you know, so the coaching thing is an unknown, but I think the the consistent one that you and I both agree on is those two positions, and I think that getting a, a good quality backup at center. Would be a, would be something that I would like to see um, going into the season in 21. Maybe a guy that can be a swing guy that can play guard and center, but predominantly is a center by trade. Yeah. So. And the other see. thing, Jeff, too, did they have to handle the blitz better? The offensive line. But that's you know, something it, they really struggle. And you mentioned maybe it's and youth. Twist. And yeah. yeah, and maybe it has to do with youth and changing offensive line coaches and all that stuff. But just to give you a number, Giants quarterbacks this year against the blitz had a quarterback rating of 71. That is the third worst in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So we don't know. I don't have the sack numbers there and what percentage of the times you get sacked based on blitzes. I don't have that metric. But, look, we saw it, right? When teams are able to, to quote you, pin your ears back, and, you know, we saw the Ravens send all the corners, the Cardinals send a bunch of corners in those games late in the year, and that gave this line a lot of problems. That's something else they need to get better at. And that, 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 that's pre-snap communication, right? Identifying the mic, knowing where the pressure is going to come from and all that stuff. And that goes to the quarterback, too, as, as, as well as Nick Gates. All them working together to handle the blitz better as a group. That's also a big part of this, as much as it is winning one-on-ones, is understanding who's coming from where and blocking it up. And it's more of a big part than rather than just go and look at the schedule next year and say, oh, you know, look at who the guys are playing next year. Yeah, this isn't a heavy scheme. You can't do that. This is yeah. still the NFL. They're going to, they're, they're, you know, this is a copycat league, week in, week out. Until you fix what the other teams are dominating you with, Bingo. you're going to see it every week. You're yep. going to see it every week. Now, I, I just feel like, you know, that the scheme or technique, you know, the offensive coordinator, the, the offensive line coach, you know, things like that, the running game, these are all can help an offensive lineman. But it's not going to get any better until you put the fire out. That's 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 just point blank. That's just the way it works. Nine, Both sides of the football. No question. 973-667-1960. 973-667-1960. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegels, Big Blue Kickoff Live with you here on a Monday. Hope everybody had a fantastic weekend. Just a reminder, uh, Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants. Member FDIC, Antonio Manhattan has been very patient. We've <laughs> lathered on, Antonio. We apologize. Welcome to the show. How are you, pal? John and Jeff, what's going on, man? Uh, good to talk to you guys again. Thanks, man. You what's too. going Thanks on? Thanks for holding. All right, no problem. I just want to point out, before I talk about the, the pressure and you got in the offense, I just want to say, you know, I want to give a big props to Dave Gettleman. I, I, I've been on him, and I've been, you know, a big hater of Dave Gettleman for a long time. But this year, this last offseason, he nailed it. It almost was a perfect offseason, and I, that's why he deserved to keep the job, absolutely. And if he has anything near as he did last offseason, I think this team could go deep in the playoffs. Um, you know, now, Antonio, by the way, I want to say I, want to, I appreciate that because so many people get locked into their prior opinions. They don't let new yeah. information change their minds. And look, oh, yeah. I'm not saying you have people have to flip on a dime and things like that. People shouldn't do that. But I think it is easy to recognize, if you're being fair, yeah. what your point is that this past offseason, especially in free agency, we'll see about the draft long term. Yep. But at least in free agency, they couldn't have done a much better job than they did. Exactly. And by the way, John exactly. Mara also agreed with that. John Mara also had said in his press conference that he was he was he was uh, satisfied with how the personnel was developed and how things went in the off season and during the draft. So that, that they, you're right on with Mr. Mara. They kept mentioning that they figured something out. So if it's true that they did figure something out, maybe they have a formula or something. I'm excited for that. Well, Antonio, so that's what, what, that's what honestly, honestly, what I think it was, I think the way Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman want to build this team. 
is much more in conjunction than the way the previous coach wanted to play. That that that's what I think it is. But remember, if you go back when Shermer first got here at his mm-hmm. opening press conference, oh, I'm going to run two tight ends. We're going to mm-hmm. do this and do that. And then when you get into games, what was it? It was 11 personnel, throw the ball, West yep. Coast offense, and that does not match the way. It, well, I'm right, right? I mean, that that, right, right, right. that doesn't yep. match the way. Dave Gettleman wants to build a team, but I think right. Judge and Gettleman are very much in sync in that regard. Anyway, go ahead. Finish your point. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, so I, I kept hearing you saying pressure rates and saying that, you know, the, the, bottom of, the bottom of the pressure rates are the teams that are not in the playoffs, correct? Is that what you said? Uh, for the most part, yes. But my only problem with that is that there's some teams in the bottom of pressure rates you mentioned were really good at scoring. And that's where I'm like, see, that that shouldn't, Pressure rates shouldn't affect wins or losses uh, because there's still teams that are scoring a bunch. Uh, even, even for example, Houston scored about a touchdown more than the Giants. They just had probably the worst defense in the league. Well, no, well, that, uh, no, no that's true. Yeah. No argument. But they also have Deshaun Watson, which can eliminate right. a lot of those issues. And by the way, Deshaun Watson also causes a lot of pressure himself, by the way, yeah. because he holds yeah. the ball so long, too. Right, right, right. right. Absolutely. And... So, but but my thing is this, I, I believe, I truly believe in my heart that this offensive line played better than last year. The problem was two things. I'm going to say the scheme of this offense didn't take advantage of the offensive line. I looked at the next-gen stats, I think it is, at that, I think that's the NFL uh, website, mm-hmm. and I saw the, the routes that Evan Ingram ran. He just didn't run enough seam routes, in my opinion. So I just didn't like, I wasn't too in love with how Jason Garrett ran the offense. But my number one blame, unfortunately, and it's still the guy that I, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not sold on him yet, it's Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, I went back and I saw 20-minute highlight of his college tape. In the college tape, the 20 minutes, it was two videos, he had two plays where he escapes the pocket or buys time and then makes a big play. And this is a highlight tape. The kid, it's not in him to buy time to move to the left, uh, to, to, to roll out to the left, roll out to the right, or just buy time in the pocket. It, that's just not his game. No, Antonio, and look, and, and, and I agree, and I think we've tried to make that different difference he here. He's a mobile quarterback, and he can run and gain mm-hmm. yards when he's pressured. But to your point, and Jeff, I'd like to get your opinion on this too, he's not a guy that's going to run around and buy a lot of extra time and then make a big throw. I, mm-hmm. I, I, to Antonio's point, I didn't see him do that at Duke, and I haven't seen him do that his first couple years with the Giants. you think that's fair, Jeff? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, and, and I think a lot of people like to compare him to guys that do make those, like a, you know, an Allen and guys that get out of the pocket that will scramble that can make, can make runs. And they can also, but here's the thing. Daniel Jones will, will make a run for 12, 15, 20 yards on you. But Daniel Jones is not going to make the great play like these other guys do out of the pocket where you think he's going to run and all of a sudden he pulls up and then he has a playmaker down the seam or somewhere. But he has the ability to do that. That's well, the thing I think that, I'm, and I'm you know what? I, I believe that, that he has the ability. I do. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's a little bit gun shy to, yep. to unload on that too. play yet. I think so, too. I think that he's he's afraid of throwing deep ball interceptions, where in my mind, I'm like, listen, like, it's better than throwing short ball interceptions. Just just take just take those deep ball interceptions. It's well, like a I long got, punt. Uh, let me yeah. ask you a question. What, you know what? In my, Let me ask you this. Do you think that a big-time receiver, that a guy like a stud playmaker? And that hopefully did, he'll get that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that might help him with that decision making a little and, bit more. And, and listen, and this is where, and this is where, again, and this is where, in my opinion, I, I think it wouldn't matter because he's gonna get, they're gonna get him a big time receiver because the public is gonna demand that, and Big Zetterman is gonna get it to him. He's gonna be through free agency through a draft, and if he doesn't buy time with his legs again, it's gonna be the same thing. I saw Tyler Heineken against in the Washington game, and I was like, man, this guy is a poor man, Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has a better arm than him. Daniel Jones has a better mobility than him. But what the Tyler Heineken did that Daniel Jones didn't, he bought time with his legs. And that and I feel like everybody keeps saying RY receivers can't get separation. Maybe true. Absolutely true. The the, the the numbers say it, advanced metrics say it. But also Daniel Jones does not give these guys by time because the defense well, and the defensive backs can only cover for so long. And well, that, that was my opinion on that. You know, right. and it, it thank kinda, you, Antonio. Appreciate the call. Good thank stuff. Thank you. Man. This this totally lends to the conversation that you and I had just had. You know, when you have teams that can 
get pressure, John, with just four guys, five times, five guys sometimes, and they can do it. Look how much success the back end of your defense is covering these Giants receivers. <laughs> they, you know, they can cover them all day. I mean, they, they don't, you know, so if you have a team that can't get pressure, then Daniel Jones will be able to have time to hit his receivers because those, those defensive backs can't cover those receivers for that long. So it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, you have a team that can get pressure on the quarterback, which they can against the Giants. That puts a lot of pressure on the Giants receivers to get open, but they can't because the defensive backs, they've got them covered like a blanket. No, I'm with you. Look, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I will disagree with one thing Antonio said, and I'm mm-hmm. looking for it here. Um, pass block win rate. This is a stat that uh, ESPN puts together for, for their teams. Mm-hmm. It's an advanced statistic. Sure, could be. I know that they have the statistic for the defensive uh, ends, the edge guys. That you know, what's their their success rate on passes? Right? Is that the same thing? Yes, pretty much. Give you or know, take. like because I mean, isn't like something in the twenties good for a, a a defensive an edge an edge rusher? Something in the high twenties percentage? Correct. Well, this is just this is as a team as a unit, right? Oh, as a unit. Okay. Yes, this is as a team as a unit. So the Giants' pass block win rate is only forty six percent this year. That is the lowest in all of football. Mm. That's mm. a problem. Mm. It's hard to win games when that's where you sit. That means you know fifty percent of the time you're getting pressure from. And I know, and what as I want unit now that's as a unit. Okay, that's as a unit. And I was wanted to try to find the number from last year, and I don't see it here. Um, I only see the number from this year on ESPN's website. Well, how many and sacks I, did the Giants give up last year? Uh, remember? I, don't to, I don't have it off the top of my was head. Was it no. more or less, you think? I think it was less, but I'd have to check it. I'd have to check it. Okay. I don't know it off the top of my head. Let me because see then we've kind of, I think we'll, yeah. I mean, I can look at it right now. Hold on. Let me see. Uh, 2019. Last year. 46? Somewhere in there? That sounds about right. Last year, the Giants gave up, uh, where are they? 43 sacks. 43. This year it was 50. 50. Yeah. Okay. And here's the thing that Antonio made the point. I actually think that the Giants really adjusted their offense to protect the offensive line this year more than they adjusted it last year. Don't you think they kept stayed more wide open last year, Jeff, and threw it a lot more? And this year they tried to really stick to the run and big personnel and not really, you know, leave that offensive line out to dry. That was my feel for it at least. I don't know if there's any data I could find to back that up, mm-hmm. but that was my feel watching it at least. Yeah, I think a lot of that has to do with the defense that you're playing that week. Um, but you did see a lot of Caden Smith on the field. You know, Toyolo, a lot of guys, a lot of tight ends on that field this year. Now, the other thing Antonio said that was interesting, Jeff, he talked about the type of routes that they ran. Daniel Jones is actually really good throwing the deep ball this year. I would have liked to see I agree. them take some more shots down the field over the course of the season. And even if you don't complete the pass, maybe you get a pass interference penalty and things like that. So the Giants only tried 57 passes this year of 20 more yards. Only five teams attempted fewer. That, to me, is a legit conversation to have as to how you create more big plays. Because if you look at the Giants this year, Jeff, and this is another number that I kind of came up with, if you look at just the number of 20-plus yard pass plays, only one team completed fewer. The Giants only completed 36. But on the other hand, and this is why I think it has more to do with attempts than Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. Giants quarterbacks this year on pass attempts that traveled 21 or more yards in the air, they had 128 quarterback rating, which is third best in the league. So when they did it, they were successful at it. And maybe they were so efficient because he only took shots when the play was there. And if they did took more shots, it would become much less efficient. Yeah, and maybe they are maximizing the shot. That's possible. I can't answer that question, but I would have liked to see just a few more shots down the field to try to make some more big plays. Like to see that number on and how it relates to coverage, man zone. Yeah, um, I know it's hard. I'm not asking you to get all these. This no. is <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. You know, I mean, I wish there was like remember back in the day it was Ask Jeeves. I don't even know if Ask Jeeves is around anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Like if, a, I don't know. It was like the old version. It was the new, the old old version of Google. <laughs> you know, hey, Ask Jeeves. Like, what percentage was the uh, the defenses to play the Giants in zone or man? You know, most of them played zone against against uh, Daniel Jones, but I, th- I th- at least I think so. Um, but I guess you know that kind of you throw all this stuff into it, but. I would have liked to see a little bit more deep shots down the field, but you know, like you said, John, maybe maybe that 
Daniel was instructed that, hey, if the defense doesn't give you this look, we're not going there. You know, well, and it's you... also holding the ball, right? In order to take a lot well, of deep you have shots, to, you yeah. have to hold it a little bit. Sure. That's a problem, yeah, Well, too. that's a big problem. Yeah. But I, I think we all agree that Daniel Jones can be one of the better deep passers in the league. So if the Giants can go out and get a guy that can take the top off of a defense that's a, you know, a juggernaut, I mean, I, I just feel like it's just an advantage and you can put some, you know, some playmakers as Dave Gettleman. I know that, that word's going to get old for us, but we need it. They need it. All right, back to the phones, 973-667-1960. Hey, Giant fans, the New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? It's Charlie, Portland. Hey, Charlie. Hey, what's up, Charlie? How are you guys this Monday? Good. What's going hey, on? Hey, it's just, uh, it's just ask Chaz. You don't have to ask G's anymore. No, but Charlie, we want the right answers, <laughs> so that we're not going to do that. <laughs> hey, look. How can you throw the ball deeper when you had Ingram dropping 11 and you had Slayton dropping 8? No, Who are you going to throw it to? That's fair, too. Right? Mm-hmm. No, no, they're right, Charlie. <laughs> they, they, especially once Slayton kind of got banged up and either he slowed yeah. down or defenses keyed on him, whatever happened, they, don't, they, did not have, they do not have a great deep ball target. That's true. Look, it, just what you guys are talking about. Until this offensive line actually becomes a good offensive line, I mean, look at the difference between what Mayfield had a year ago and how he's playing this year. The total difference is he's got an offensive line that can pass block and can run block. That's why he's so good this year. And for the Giants to expect Daniel Jones, who is I, I think is mediocre anyway, you've got to give this guy an offensive line, a good offensive line that can protect him, that we can run the ball, and then he'll be more efficient. Now, Charlie, so, so I have a question for you now. No, no, I yeah. agree with you. I agree with you. So here's my question for you then. And yeah. I think this is a question that we can talk about right now, and I think this is a big question Dave Gettleman is going to have to figure out over the offseason. All right, we talked about it. You feel pretty good about Nick Gates at center, right? Leave him there, you're good. Uh, you wanna, yeah, I guess so. You want to roll with Andrew Thomas as one of your starting tackles, okay? I guess we have to, right? But no, right, okay. But then what, okay? Do you, yeah. bring, do you bring back Zeitler? He's solid, but obviously, yeah. you know, his cap number's big, so do you bring back him? How yeah, confident do you feel about Lemieux and Hernandez? Do you say we're willing to run with these young guys another year, see what happens? Or are you confident enough to say, all right, Matt Parrott, we're going to give you a chance here? Or do you decide to not save the whatever million dollars that it is on Nate Solder's contract? You know, do you bring him back? Right. These are tough yeah. decisions yeah. that are going to determine – whether or not you trust the young guys you've developed or have starting to develop and have drafted to step into these spots, or do you not feel confident and feel like you have to bolster the group? That's a real question. Yeah, what did the Browns do? The Browns brought in Conklin. They brought in a really good right tackle, probably one of the best in the NFL. They also drafted Jedrick Wills in the top 12, which helped too. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So – to me, we have to build the same way. I think if Solder comes back, I think the guy's going to be motivated. He's had a year off. I think he still wants to play, and I think he'll play really well at right tackle. I would bring him back. Restructure his contract if he wants to. You know, Work something out like other teams do all the time. And then you've got Solder on your right side. You've got Thomas, hopefully will be better, on, on your left side. You've got Gates, who should be a lot better since it'll be his second year playing. And then you get Zeitler, who is solid. So you just got one spot. You only have now one spot to solidify. And between Hernandez, Lemieux, and bring in a veteran, bring in another veteran. you got Slade. Maybe Slade might be the answer. I don't know. But you bring in another veteran, uh, Wiggins. we got Wiggins. He's a veteran. He's on our our team practice squad he was on. I don't know how good he is, but he's definitely a veteran. Let him be in the mix. So you only got one spot to solidify. To me, that would be the best way to go. And the only other thing I got to say about Gettleman is this. My wife has done this a few times. What she does is we had a couch. She wanted to get rid of it. Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) Okay. And so she got rid of it before we got the new couch which was like three weeks, we had no couch, and we had no place to sit. Well, that's not smart. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And Gettleman does the same thing. 
What does he do? He gets rid of JPP, which is fine. He wanted to get rid of him. But we've never gotten a pass rusher to equal his production for three years. And JPP is still playing at a high percentage. Still waiting Another on that couch. Is, <laughs> right? So that's the same thing. He didn't bring anybody in. And we're still looking for a pass rusher. Same thing with wide receiver. I remember you guys talking last year or whenever it was we got rid of Odell. Every, you guys were saying, look, we can just, you know, we don't need a number one. We can throw it around. We'll throw it to all these guys. They'll, they'll be productive. We can throw it to Tate. We can throw it to, you know, Shepard. We can throw it, you know, all over the place, and we'll still get the same production without a number one. Zip, wrong. You need a number one receiver. Well, Charlie, look, in fairness, that, in right? fairness, last year, and I'm talking 2019 now, the yeah. passing game was fairly productive. This season, with... Shepard getting hurt earlier in the year, Barkley going out, the passing game did not have enough weapons. And we said this in the offseason, Charlie. We would love to have a number one wide receiver, but we felt that there were bigger needs on the team that they had to focus on filling and using their resources for before you got to the wide receiver. Well, now you're at the point. Now you now we're at the wide receiver. Go get that wide receiver. Right, and the thing is, is we need a number one wide receiver. Yeah, but again, no Gettleman, Gettleman got rid of our number one wide receiver and did not get another number one wide receiver. It's been almost three years now. That's the same thing with the couch. It's been two, He's done exactly, it twice. actually. <laughs> All right, Charlie. Okay, guys. Thank take you, care. Pat. All right, Jeff. Let's go first to the question that I poised, poised, posed mm-hmm. about next year's offensive line. How comfortable are you going into next year with the Lemuse, Hernandez, and Pertz as the word is almost being your incumbent starters, for lack of a better term? Or do you think it's necessary to have people competing with those players that you know can give you a fairly high level of play so you have a backstop in case those young guys don't develop to the point where you need them to? Well, I got to go with my put my Dave Gettleman hat on right now. Um, I drafted Lemieux for a reason. I want to see him develop, and I think that I did. I want to find a diamond in the rough with him. I think that he can he can get better. I know they like he's Dave Gettleman's type. You know, he's a nasty hog molly, one of those guys, and so, he's smart too. By the and way, and he's a he smart wants. guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what I would say would be this: first of all, I got to know about Nate Solder. Okay, because there that is kind of a trickle down effect in my opinion. I need to know what he's gonna do, um, because now that will make me like Charlie said. Am I gonna move him over to the right side? You know, where does that put me in the development of Matt Parrot? I I don't know. See, you know, I like the idea, Jeff. And sorry mm-hmm. for interrupting. That's all right. Of of having so again, if Solder wants to play, who knows how this is gonna go? Mm-hmm. I like the idea of having a Solder or a player like Solder that you know what you're gonna get from him. At tackle, you're not necessarily dedicating, you know, long-term future big money years to him. So he's there in case Parrot's not ready. And if Parrot's ready, then you make the move you got to make. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. And so my next, my next question, my next answer was was going to be Matt. I think that he's a guy that he's going to have to compete. You know, and I think that's what you want if you can get a if you can have a, a competitive training camp this year. You know where you can get in there and have this competition. The right guard position to me is is Zeitler is, is a guy that I think that the salary cap will determine if he's going to be a, a casualty. Um, can you rework Nate Solder's contract that you can keep him and and develop that competition between him and Parrot? Um, the left the left guard is a competition to me in between Hernandez and and Lemieux. I don't see anything different than that. The only thing I see, John, to to answer your question. As it left tackle, there's not going to be any competition there. That he's just going to need to get better. So yeah, I agree. The, the answer to your question is that I'm okay with what is in front of me, but I do need some depth. I need some depth where I have confidence, and I don't mean exactly a seventh round draft pick at depth at one of the positions. Right. I think that maybe a mid level free agency acquisition, depending on our cap figure, or maybe if we decide that. You know, we want to go with a fourth or a third rounder in, a, in an offensive line position to maybe think about maybe a year or two down the line for that right guard position, then I would go there. 
Now, I'll say this, Jeff, and I'm kind of with you on this. I think you need, heading into next year, one veteran guard and one veteran tackle that you know you can depend on if you need them. And now, that veteran and that veteran tackle could be could be Solder, right? And, and the veteran guard could be Zeitler. Yes. And if those are your two guys, fine. My I guess the point I'm trying to make is that I'm not willing to head into camp next year and we're having a show on January on January, July twenty fifth, and we're sitting here like, all right, day one of training camp, our starters on the offensive line left to right are Thomas, Lemieux, Gates, Hernandez, Pert. That to me has a lot of risk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 and I think that when we talk about this offense and how to fix it, I think we, it, the whole, the offensive line is not the, is not, it's not ninety percent fix the offensive line and ten percent fix everything else. I think that we, you start with the offensive line and try to figure out where is the continuity that we can have a group of guys that now can play. They played a whole season together. Can we get a full off season together? And will this offensive line be better? And now how do we improve this offense around them? How do we improve the offense for Daniel Jones? He's our guy. We know that. Saquon's going to be back. Get enough, get, what are our receiver situation? You know, so I just don't want everybody to think that the offensive line is the, is the Achilles heel. They have a big, big – I mean, they're a big cause of the problem, but they're not everything, you know? So I'm with you. I would like to see some continuity with those guys and have them compete – and those guys, but yeah, I think you you do need a veteran in there because you are asking. That's now, Jeff. You want to laugh? Scary. Though. No, it is. But you want to laugh? Best case scenario for me, and this is why it's maybe it's, it's a bit of a contradiction. While that is something that I'm worried about heading into camp, I would love to be at the end of camp and you say, "All right, well, Pert, Lemieux, and Hernandez played so well." They've earned those starting spots Fine. over those veterans. Fine. That I'd love to see, but I don't know if I'm willing to count on that and not have a solid backup plan behind them in case they don't. You know what I'm saying? Let me ask you a quick question. Sure. Would, would you would you feel more comfortable keep who would you feel more comfortable keeping at left guard? Would you rather keep Hernandez there oh, and and not risk moving him and getting him worse? Or because Lemieux is just a year playing left guard, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to move him to the right. I mean, neither one of those guys have really played right guard in their career. So, honestly, I wouldn't even know what to tell you. To but me, you had, it's a you coin had, flip. But you had Hernandez going to right guard because Zeitler's gone, right? Yeah. and Or would you – Would you see, in my opinion, I, don't know. I, I think Hernandez would be your swing guy. That you, I don't think he gets a starting position again. I think he's a guy that you're going to keep as a backup. And the right tackle – or excuse me, the right guard position may be – Maybe a free agent guy that you know just because this is all if Zeitler doesn't it can't be brought back because of cap figure right so um, I don't know we'll see yeah or it could be it could be yeah that's the <laughs> I, I guess I guess the point I'm making 175 is that million maybe that's while the, get. exactly while these young guys have shown a lot of promise and I think you've seen reasons to believe why they can be long term starters I don't think we know right now that they are. So I want to make sure that I have somebody there in place to give some high level of baseline play in case Lemieux's not there yet in year two, in case Parrott's not there yet in year two. That's that's kind of my focus here. I want I want to make sure that I put enough in front of Daniel Jones in terms of protection next year that I can make a real good evaluation of him. Same thing, I want to make sure I put enough weapons around him, Jeff, to make sure you get a really good evaluation of him in his third year. Because well, next year is essential in making those types of decisions, and you have to make sure that you have what you need around him so you know exactly what you have in him as a quarterback. Well, one of the reasons that you did see those guys play this year as much as they did in that rotation at that offensive line because they wanted to see – they needed they needed to see if those guys can play. Right. No, you're right. You know, so But what does that, it tell you that you got to the end of the year in a must-win game and neither Parrott or Hernandez played? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that tells me that they have a lot of confidence in those other guys. So, um, And Parrott, I think, is a guy that from the beginning we've all mentioned that he's a developmental player, right? Yep. But mm -hmm. developmental doesn't mean four or five years. We're talking about maybe a year and a half, and then all of a sudden he steps in there. Correct. Now I'm with you. 973-667-1960. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery. Presenting Money Dots. 
from the New York Lottery, a new game where you play for your chance to win money on the dot. Please play responsibly. Let's go back to the phones. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Bruce in Albany. Bruce, thanks for calling in, man. What's up? Uh, Well, last year, before the draft, I said, get your future left tackle, no more excuses, and we need a center. And they did. Yeah. So we went from needing to replace the entire offensive line last year, and now Jeff, I think, is right. We need a guard, and we need a tackle. We don't need an entire offensive line. And as far as Gates goes, I love Gates. He's tough. He plays hard. He's smart. And, Bruce, and the other the thing, too, you like, most important. you could tell the Giants' opponents can't stand him. They hate Nick Gates. Oh, no. They can't take him, which is, which is, by the way, what you want out of an offensive lineman. That's right. What did, what did Troy Aikman say? I love to play with this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the guy you want on your side. Somebody takes a cheap shot, he's going to be down there in their face. I love him. And the two most important positions on the offensive line are what? Left tackle and center. And they address that first. You can get a guard. Hell, there's 60-something guards out there in the NFL. No, you're right. You don't need the best one. You just need mediocre. You just need a guy who's average. I don't like, Herna- I don't like Will Hernandez. Uh, in, in, in a game last year, Dallas turned the ball over on the nine-yard line. So I figured, oh, we got to score here, right? First play, uh, Barkley goes to run through a huge hole. Will Hernandez is standing there. And Smith is in the hole. He doesn't even block him. He runs past him. And then he allows a sack on the next play. He, he's a good blocker. He just doesn't know who to block. That's his problem. Now, Lemieux, I don't know. Now, Bruce, I, I agree I with know. you. Early in the year, I thought Hernandez really struggled with a lot of the stunts and twists as well. I thought that really gave him a lot of issues. He always has. Right. Yeah. He, he won a job in training camp. That's, that's practice. You, when, the, when the live bullets are flying, you'll see who's good. Hell, I, I, like the, I like the Canadian kid there that played center. What was his name? Uh, uh, Brett Jones. Brett Jones. He, Brett Jones never made any mistakes. You know, he could say he was probably our best lineman that year, and they got rid of him because, because uh, you know, other guys look so good in practice. Well, anyway, I just think it comes down to one thing, identifying your weaknesses, mm-hmm. get rid of your worst players and replace them with the best ones you can get. That's usually what it comes down no, to. No, that's fair. As far as Daniel, Daniel Jones goes, I remember coming out of the draft, oh, he can't throw the ball deep. If you subtracted all the drops he had, which was like 28 drops or some ridiculous amount, he was the best deep passer coming out of college. It was just that his receivers were horrible. Now, last now year, got... Bruce, in fairness, last year outside the numbers, he did not throw the deep ball well. He was very inefficient. But this year he's been really, really good. So he, he's made a lot of progress in his second year here. I, 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 if you look at the last game of the season, he couldn't have played any better. No, he was great. Between the drops and bad calls, I mean, what's he supposed to do? He, 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 I, I like him quite a bit. He, I mean, he's under constant pressure. His receivers don't get open. They drop the ball constantly. And, you know, he's got to be smart because he knows he's going to get hit. And he's right. Say, oh, he gets nervous in the pocket. Well, you get nervous, too, if you're getting <laughs> pressure like he gets. You know, he knows what's going to happen to him. So it's like Eli. It's, it's the same thing. You know, you're, you're just wasting talent to, at, at the most important position if you don't give him the tools that he needs. And our receivers, a, a, a great receiver makes catches that could be made. A, a good receiver makes catches that should be made. Our, re, our receivers, I, don't, I never know what they're going to do when the ball gets there. Other than Shepard. I like Shepard. Shepard's consistent. He's yeah. he's. He's hard-nosed, and he makes the catch. Other than that, I don't know. All right, Bruce, thanks for the call, pal. Thanks, Bruce. Right, no, I mean, you. really, that, that, that's been missing for, you know, a few years, even going back to some of the Eli Manning years. So, um, And I think that when you look at the free agent class, again, John, I know we, we got to go, but you got to look at the, the pool, how much money these guys are going to want, and then you got to look at the draft. And we know that there's a lot of receivers in the draft this year. But when you're watching, the one thing to pay attention to this year like, excuse me, this, this weekend coming up in the playoff games, watching even yesterday, watch some of these wide receivers go for these contested footballs and grit them. <laughs> I know. Oh, my goodness. It no, is crazy. It's, it's music to your ears when you see something like that. It's, like, so beautiful to watch. And, Jeff, to your point, then, even if you fix the O-line, which you've talked about mostly today, okay. just because that's where we kind of started, you still need to get that extra weapon. Because I think once you – you know, you look at the wide receivers that they have now, but if you slot Shepard and Slayton down to your 2-3, 
and then you have Ingram as a helper mm-hmm. to your number one, all of a sudden that receiving core looks a ton better. And I know that a lot of people are probably asking themselves, well, why can't our receivers be like those guys that go up and get them? That it's just a characteristic that comes with the position that sometimes don't, guys just don't have, right? I mean, some guys can make great catches in, 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 in areas where you don't you'd think that they can, and some guys just can't. Some guys are you know, amazing in the red zone. Some guys just aren't. So it's that characteristic, and it's just not something you can just teach a guy to do. It's you have to have that knack. You got to be able to have that that ability to to get up and and we call it get ups. He's got ups, right? And be physical. And you don't have to be six foot four, two hundred and thirty pounds to be physical at the wide receiver yeah, position. You right. don't. All right, Jeff. I, let's try to squeeze in one more call. Sure. Yeah, three come calls. on in. I want to get one more in. We got to be quick though. Caller, what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey guys, this is Grace from Belleville. Hey Grace, you were the one that that tweeted me about trying to get through, right? <laughs> you got through. Yes, that was me. It was actually 157 times, not one of them. Oh, sorry, my bad. I remembered wrong. What do you <laughs> no, got today, no, Grace? It's not your fault. I feel like I won a radio contest trying to call in constantly. But anyway, I'm glad I'm in. Uh, so I want you guys to help me solve a like a bet. I guess you could say that my dad and I are having an argument about. Sure. He seems sure. to think this is reasonable. So tell me why you think it's ridiculous. All right. He thinks that the Falcons trade us Julio Jones in exchange for Evan Ingram. Uh, I think the Falcons would want more than Evan Ingram. Yeah, back straight Julio up. Jones. Yeah, that's yes. ridiculous. Um, so then, if he threw, if we throw in a fourth or fifth rounder, would that make it more appealing for them? I think you would have to do a. a more First or that. second round yeah. type of situation. The other problem, too, and I'm going to look up his contract now, Grace, very quickly. I believe mm-hmm. Julio Jones just signed a big extension, if I'm not mistaken. I think last year, right? Yeah, I think he yeah, did. Yeah, my dad said he's at $12 million a year or something yeah, like that. But the, but I thought it was no, I'm going to look it up right now. The problem you have with some of those contracts sometime um, is that they get such a big signing bonus, and then when you trade a player yeah. like that, and because you remember when the Giants traded Beckham, right? It's the same deal. All that money mm-hmm. that you gave him in the bonus gets accelerated up into that new year. So I'm yeah. looking at his contract right now. Dead money. Because $12 million isn't bad, but now when you accelerate, it could get to you know, a big number. Correct. I mean, he would have another 2021. If they traded him, based on the numbers I'm looking at very quickly, probably have anywhere... From just dead money, fifteen to eighteen million, so that wow. it might even be impossible for them to trade him because the cap's going down. Great, so they might yeah. not be able to even afford to move him. Now, I like I like your dad's idea because I think the Falcons are on the verge of a rebuild here, and they might want to try to start over. So maybe then they do try to figure out a way to trade Julio. With that said, you're you're trading away the best possibly the best player in your franchise's history. You can make the argument that Julio Jones is that. Mm-hmm. You're going to want more than Evan Ingram, who's on the final year of his contract and like a second-day pick. So in that way, you're 100% correct. So you can tell him that he's ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I can't wait to tell him that. Uh, so one thing before I go, I think the Patrick Graham signing is probably the biggest thing to happen to us this offseason. So I'm glad so that far, that. Absolutely, I agree yeah, with you. We agree, so Grace. Far. Yeah. Yep. We All hope right, that have a great we... day, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Hey, thanks for calling in, Grace. Happy you got through. We hope that that's not the biggest of the whole offseason, but it's a pretty good start, in my opinion, because I just feel like Patrick Graham is a guy who wants to be a head coach. They all do, and I feel that he just knows that it's not his time, that he has more business to solve here. And I think that with this defense in the second year and some of those guys that he's has, uh, that defense can be pretty impressive next season. Well, and maybe this is what he thought, too. Maybe he's like, all right, guys are going to bring me in here to give interviews. And I'll get some interviews, but I really don't think I'm like a really serious candidate this That's year right. yet. Yeah. So yeah. you know, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get a raise, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to wait a year. <laughs> and, and 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 I'm going to, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to wait a year. But you know what? I have a I have a defense that I believe in that I can, you know, I right. don't know what I told. Was I did they finish in the top ten this year in the in total defense? That's a good question. If, um, I think they did. I think they might have. Uh, what are you but, looking for? Points, yards? Uh, just, just total defense. Just you know, all, all you know, run pass. Every just the total defense. Right, stand by. I'll get so, that player right now before but, we say goodbye. Uh, to, they to, finished. Okay, here's what they got, Jeff. They finished 12 in yards per game, ninth in yards per play, and they were around 16th in passing. So they, I would say, they finished. If you want to be top 12, if you kind of want to, you know, figure out a number, give or take. Okay. All right. So well, they were good. They were in the top third of the league. How about that? Yeah. Well, I want to be in the top five next year. 
And with the guys that I have on this team, I know that Leo is a guy that I had to look at, a Tomlinson, you know, some, are we going to be able to get both those guys back? Probably not, but I do have a nucleus here. You know, I got uh, Carter coming back next season. I've got, you know, the X-Man coming back. I got some guys that, you know, are going to be hungry and this defense can be really be special. I think the Giants just have to turn their a lot of their attention to the offensive side of the football and correct a lot of things that you and I talked about for the, the last hour, John. That's that old line. Jeff, good stuff, my friend. As always, thank you, Johnny. And we will continue to break down different aspects of this team throughout the week uh, for the next couple weeks, actually. And then we have the Senior Bowl starting uh, the week of the 23rd. So that'll be fun as we get going here. Are and you able start to go to the Senior Bowl this year? We will not be going to the Senior Bowl. Yeah. And they're not even sure they're going to have a combine. So yeah. Who knows how that, and if they do, I'm sure we're not going to go. It's just yeah. not to the point where it's safe yet. Frankly, I have no interest in, you know, being around a bunch of people in hotels and on a plane at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully we're only months away from a vaccine. We've done this for like almost a year now. I'll do it for a few more months, okay? I'll well, hold I guess, out. It's okay. I guess we're all going to just have to stay tuned to NFL Network when they go to the Senior Bowl and do all their stuff, right? I mean, that's the only way we're going to be able to get this stuff. Yeah, I have a lot of TV watching. Uh, I'll try to somehow get taped too. you know, watch the tape sure. of the practices and stuff. I don't know if I'll be able to. I'll try. But yeah, it's 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 a whole nother deal. And my understanding, by the way, and that's a whole nother topic. But I don't think scouts have really been allowed at these campuses either. So mm -hmm. this is going to be real challenging for everybody this year to 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 not have Again, misses in the draft. Yeah. Well, I think I know it was a big challenge last season. Um, I think that be with the development of, of a lot of different things and just the fact that everybody's been through this, um, it w may make it a little bit easier, but it's certainly not going to be, it's not going to be easy. That if that's, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Jeff, you're on next on Thursday, I believe. We'll see yeah, you then. Yeah, but with Dots. Tomorrow, with dots. And tomorrow it'll be Lance and Dots at noon for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and all of our favorite podcast platforms. Big Blue Kickoff Live itself is brought to you by the New York Lottery, introducing Money Dots, a new game from the New York Lottery, where you play for your chance to win money on the dot. Please play responsibly. For Jeff Eagles, I'm John Schmelk. We will see you next time, everybody. Stay safe out there.